Hi, I'm Kate Boyle, and welcome to the Mind Movement Health Podcast. Each week, I'll be bringing you health information from diet and lifestyle to movement and nutrition. My aim is to bring you bite-sized pieces of information that you can instigate into your everyday life to change your health. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Mind Movement Health Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Boyle. And before we dive into this week's episode, I'm going to ask a really small favor. If you've been listening to the podcast and you've been enjoying the episodes, please subscribe or leave a review of the podcast on your favorite podcast app. I would be so thankful if you can do that right now before you listen to this episode. All right, now let's dive into this week where I'm chatting about the differences between men and women and do our exercise routine and training doesn't need to be different. Well, there's a few schools of thought on this, but there's a few areas that I do want to touch on because it's really important that just individually we're tailoring our exercise routines for our own individual needs. But then also as women, we have some, you know, unique needs and changes that occur to our body in relation to our hormones and as we age that are very different to men. So the first thing I want to touch on is that women have a higher reported rate of ACL injuries. Now you may be thinking well this may be because of the shape of our body. So with women generally having wider hips you know and a narrow waist the angle to our knees may be slightly different so this may affect the connections you know, of the ACL. And therefore, when we're training and doing exercise, this may have some, you know, effect on the outcome and why we have an increased risk, you know, and incidence of ACL injuries. Now, that is one school of thought, but, you know, there are a few experts out there, you know, that is now saying that we need to look at training from our, you know, younger years as youths, whether or not we were kids or teenagers. For men, there's often, even from a young age, quite an emphasis put on weight training. You know, you'll often see teenage boys, you know, either going to the gym and doing weight training or, you know, heading to their bedroom, they've got some free weights or into the garage where their parents might have, you know, just a small gym set up. But for girls, they don't often, it's not as encouraged for girls, you know, to go off and do weight training. It's not styled or modeled as much, you know, in our media to see women doing weight training. And so a lot of women, when they're younger, like myself, go into the fields of dance, you know, and gymnastics and calisthenics, these types of sports that require lots of flexibility. And they spend lots of time, you know, working on their flexibility and strength in their movements, but they don't add in a lot more of the loaded and the cross training and the weight exercise. So this may be another reason why women are a little bit more prone to developing those ACL injuries within that sporting realm, because we don't have that same introduction to that strength and resistance training when we're younger. So a little bit of food for food for thought, but a really important point, especially if you have your own kids, you know, or grandkids that that are in these sports, you know, encourage them to do some cross training and some resistance training just to really build up their strength, especially around their knees. And for women, we also have a higher rate of hypermobility, which means we've got a greater joint range and again, puts us at an even more increased risk of injury. 
So just something to keep in mind, you know, especially if we've got younger ones in the house or you're a mentor, you know, maybe you coach a a team at all. It's just some really great knowledge to know that you can pass on to your younger athletes. Now, women actually have a higher reported rate of lower back pain and shoulder injuries also. Now, again, there's speculation around why this is. Maybe women just report it more than men. Maybe women aren't as active as men in general. Not everybody, okay? And this could be because we do go through the years of having kids where it's a lot harder to be active. I know myself when, you know, you've got young ones or babies and you're trying to juggle, you know, new motherhood, you know, running kids around to activities, working, you know, trying to do all, wear all the hats at once, sometimes that exercise sort of goes to the wayside. With shoulder injuries, I know myself in the studio, I often see a lot more women over the age of 40 start to develop shoulder injuries. And there's a number of reasons behind that. One is that just the way our body shape is made again, we tend to have wider hips, narrower shoulders. We don't have as much testosterone in our body as men, so it is harder for us to build muscle mass. And then with our upper bodies, you know, with our lower bodies being wider and generally heavier and our upper bodies being narrower, we tend to find it easier to do leg work than we do upper body work. And so therefore, we often tend to lean into the things that feel easier. So most of my clients as women will find leg work much easier easier than upper body work. And if they can avoid the upper body work, they will, which is where I step in and start to increase their upper body work so they can really focus on building that strength. So when it comes to our everyday life, we use our upper body a lot, whether or not we're reaching up to grab something out of the cupboard or hang up washing or bend over and get something from the floor. We're constantly using our upper body, but we might not be maximizing our mobility. So in general, we tend to do most of our activities in front of our body but we still need to work our strength above our head and behind us and in movements like rotation. So incorporating more of this type of exercise into our regular routines, like we do in Pilates, and I make sure when we're doing our workouts, you know, we're working through that upper back strength and the arm strength and really focusing on the full body strength, then this can be a great way that we can sort of counteract, you know, those shoulder injuries that tend to come into play as we get a bit older and as we tend to do less with the upper body. So definitely add that in also. Now, when it comes to our bone mass as women, this is something that we need to take in consideration for our exercise too. So women in general are at higher risk of developing osteoporosis. So the CDC has reported that osteoporosis affects almost 20% of women. So one in five women over the age of 50 are affected by osteoporosis or osteopenia. So osteopenia is the step before you reach osteoporosis. Now, in men, it's one in 20 men over the age of 50 are affected by osteopenia or osteoporosis. So you can see that there's a large difference there also in that it's one in five women and one in 20 men. Now, Why, again, why are we at a higher risk of losing bone mass? Now, again, 
couple of reasons and it can be different for everybody and it can be a combination or of a number of them. But as we age and we start to enter perimenopause and then menopause, our estrogen levels drop. Now, estrogen is super important, helps us lay lay bone mass. So one, our estrogen level is dropping. Also, if we have higher stress levels or inflammation happening in the body, and we've talked a lot about that on the podcast previously, then we may have higher cortisol levels. Now, because progesterone is the precursor to cortisol, when cortisol levels increase, progesterone levels decrease. So too much stress in our lives can lead to a progesterone deficiency, which will cause us to believe that we have an estrogen dominance because we may start to get symptoms like, you know, painful breaths or heavy periods or hot flushes or night sweats. But really, it's just because the progesterone levels have dropped so much that it seems like we have that estrogen dominance. But it's not like estrogen has increased a whole lot. It's just more the fact that the progesterone has dropped. So a lot of women may experience this through perimenopause, not so much as we enter menopause because estrogen levels are already dropping as well, but that affects bone mass when our estrogen levels drop. So you can see that estrogen levels dropping, cortisol levels are becoming high that this is a bad combination for layering down bone mass. On top of that, as we sort of said before, our activity levels can drop as we start to age. So if we're not loading our bones, you know, and adding resistance and weight, and that can be with hand weights, that could be working out with bands, that could be springs, you know, on the Pilates reformer and that. It could even be using weight machines at the gym. If we're not really loading our bones with resistance, then we're not going to be laying down more bone mass so that we can stay nice and strong. And this will increase our risk of developing osteopenia, osteoporosis, and then also sarcopenia, which is the loss of muscle mass. And again, we're at an increased risk over the age of 50 of sarcopenia because our activity levels drop. We're not weight training probably as much as we should be. And as we lose muscle mass, we'll lose bone mass also. Hi, everyone. I'm interrupting this podcast to let you know that I have a brand new daily Pilates workout that you can download for free and work out with me. Now, this daily Pilates workout is just 15 minutes. It's going to help you build strength and mobility. It's going to help energize you, leave you feeling really good. And the best bit, it's only going to take 15 minutes. So to grab your free workout, head on over to the podcast show notes and click the daily Pilates workout link. I can't wait to see you on your mat. So a few things to really keep in mind. Now, when it comes to helping to lower our cortisol levels, we want to start to Add in activities like Pilates, which we can get some really good resistance work in, but we do know that we really need to push the load up. So when we're looking to build our strength, we want to be doing about, you know, three to five sets of anywhere between about six and 12 reps. Now, generally in Pilates, we tend to work our muscles more endurance wise. So we will do two to three sets of sort of 10 to 15 reps. And this is not a bad form of strength, but when we're really trying to lay down bone 
bone mass, we need to increase the weight and lower the number of reps. And this is where your free weights, you know, come in. If you can start using them in some of your workouts, um, things like kettlebells and stuff like that, or it might be going to the gym and adding in, you know, some free weights there or the weight machine. This is when we can really start adding and building on that bone mass and lowering our risk of osteoporosis. Another consideration that women need to think about when it comes to their exercise is their pelvic floor. So again, we've chatted about pelvic floor on the podcast before, but I think it's always good to know that our pelvic floor tone changes as we age. So just naturally, collagen levels drop, okay? And so the connective tissue of our pelvic floor isn't quite as strong. And so we have to work a little bit harder to strengthen and maintain the strength of our pelvic floor as we age. Also, if we have had a baby one or more, okay, whether or not you had a vaginal delivery or a Caesar, it still affects your pelvic floor. The weight of the baby, okay, for the nine months when you're growing that baby is added weight on that pelvic floor. Also with the hormones that are throwing, flowing through your body during pregnancy, your body is preparing to be able to relax that pelvic floor and stretch that pelvic floor for a vaginal delivery, whether or not you had one or not. So the pelvic floor must muscles do change. So post-baby, whatever delivery you have, it's still important to strengthen the pelvic floor and maintain our pelvic floor strength. Now, again, we've touched on previously, you know, having a hypotonic pelvic floor and a hypotonic pelvic floor. So whether or not your pelvic floor is too strong or it's not strong enough, and that's where the exercise we do can affect our pelvic floor as well. So if we have had a baby or maybe we just don't have a strong pelvic floor right now for whatever reason, you know, maybe it's just to age, you know, going through menopause, whatever it may be, then we need to look at physical activity that's going to support that pelvic floor. Pilates is fantastic because we do have that awareness of engaging our pelvic floor, walking, swimming, yoga, these lower impact exercises that are putting a lot of stress on pelvic floor may be good options whilst you're building that strength. Consequently, if you have an overactive pelvic floor where it really is just too strong and you're finding it really hard to release, you can do exercise like yoga and Pilates where you can focus on the release of the pelvic floor within your exercises. So it is possible to downtrain your pelvic floor and maybe seeing a pelvic floor physio as well in combination with, you know, doing your exercise can help. They can give you some really good techniques on how to do that. Speaking to your Pilates instructor and then continuing to build that connection to your own pelvic floor and the practice in releasing the pelvic floor will, you know, add up over time. So everybody's journey can be really individual, but when it comes to the pelvic floor, there are things that we need to consider as women, depending on what stage of our lives that we are in. And I always recommend when it comes to the pelvic floor, you know, we probably don't know individually as much as we should. So visiting a pelvic floor physio is a really good start just to work out if your pelvic floor is overactive or underactive, because sometimes you may think that your pelvic floor is underactive when it is actually overactive. So getting a professional opinion can be really helpful. 
And then finally, I touched on hypermobility a little bit earlier, and I did do a podcast episode on hypermobility. So if you think you're hypermobile, I'll link that podcast uh, episode up in the show notes and you can check that out. But, you know, a lot more women are hypermobile than men, and this means that we have that increased joint range. So some activities, you know, like yoga or calisthenics or gymnastics, while feel they might feel amazing because we get into these deep stretches and holds, they're not the best form of exercise for our joints because they're pushing them into extended ranges that we may not have the strength for to hold. So I know personally, I've worked with a number of women that have done a lot of gymnastics, calisthenics and dance in their younger days. And as they you know, enter their, usually their 40s and 50s, they often need a hip replacement. And the combo behind that is that they have hypermobility. And as they were, you know, growing up and pushing those joints into extended ranges all the time, it's almost, you know, it wears out the joint a little bit, leads to some more wear and tear. So if you are hypermobile, and there's a couple of easy tests that you can do, which I explained in that previous hypermobility podcast. You know, we really want to focus on strength and working within a range for your joint that's nice and safe. So we don't push to end range. We really work, you know, right up to that sort of 80, 85% of what your maximum range would be in stretches and mobility exercises so that we're really keeping your joints in that safe range. And then we focus a lot on strength work, really strengthening those muscles around the joint so that we can maintain strength and stability to help reduce the risk of joint replacement, injuries, dislocations, you know, all of that nasty stuff that we don't want to experience. So, you know, definitely if you're not sure if you're hypermobile, definitely check it out. You know, many women are, many men are too, but definitely a lot more women. Um, and it tends to affect us that little bit later in later, later life as we get to sort of 40 plus and we start to slow down a little bit and we're maybe not doing as much, you know, sport and strength training as we did in our younger days. And that's when we start to potentially get either, you know, just muscle pain or joint pain because we have so much movement, but not the stability to to really maximize and hold that mobility that we have. All right. Well, that's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. You know, I hope you can add some tweaks into your own training sessions, maybe add in some strength training, some upper body work, you know, to avoid those shoulder injuries. Uh, Look at adding in some you know, exercise that's going to help lower your cortisol levels like Pilates and walking, you know, getting out in nature, all of these things just to make sure that you're really maximizing your workout time because there's nothing worse than, you know, putting all this time and effort into your exercise and then finding out that you're not getting results. And, you know, that may be, you know, you still get diagnosed with osteoporosis because the load you thought you were doing, you know, loading work for your body, but it wasn't quite heavy enough. Um, And the same with, you know, coming up with a, a shoulder injury. You thought you were doing some exercise like walking that may help, but really you needed some targeted exercise for that upper body. So if you can make tweaks, then you're going to be better off in the long run. All right. Have a fantastic week, everybody. And I'll see you again next week on the podcast. Thanks for listening into the podcast. Please hit subscribe to be updated for each time we release a new podcast.